This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. and welcome to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. This is Eric O'Branson, and with me as always is Joe Peterson. Welcome! How's it going, Joe? It's going good. I am, I, I'm going to hold you to that conversation that we had last week about the parallel <laughs> between Little Monsters and Nightbreed, which, God, yeah, I just... This has been a really fun. This has been a really really fun special um, to kind of put together. Just watching these two films again, knowing because discussions we've had about some potential similarities, and just being like, "Oh, this is going to be interesting," because they're when, really quite different, but similar. Yes, <laughs> but really very similar too. Like, and when you um, selected Nightbreed, um, and I had the challenge of trying to come up with something that was. It's somehow related, or at least tangent, tangentially related to uh, Nightbreed. Uh, I had a couple different ideas, and then all of a sudden, this one just kind of popped into my head, and it was—it's—it's it's really the perfect companion piece because it couldn't be more different, but also is almost identical narrative to it really, the movie Nightbreed. It really is. Um, yeah. So I—it I, it, it was exciting to go back and revisit the film that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, is there anything else that you've you've seen lately, or anything else like uh, you've been scrolling around on, or anything? I did. Yeah, you know. Oh no, go ahead. I, was gonna say, go I did ahead. pick up something on DVD recently that I got it because, damn it, I want to review it for this, and so I'll have to find a way to get you a copy of it so you can watch it too. I finally have sure. obtained a copy on Blu. I think it's on Blu-ray, maybe just DVD of Deadly Spawn. Oh, I nice. Yeah, that's always been on a DVD copy of my, Spawn. my short list of things that I wanted to track down, but I have actually never seen it, so I would love to. Oh, God, it's so bad, it's good. It, it, it really is one of those so bad, it's good films. And, I God, I picked up a copy of it on VHS from a, um, like a uh, rummage store in DeKalb, Illinois, which I think I've probably brought up before on the show. The place always cracked me up because it was called Bargain Addict. And it was also oh, yeah. <laughs> it was also where like the um, the AA meeting for DeKalb took place every week, which I only know because I was wandering around in there one time and I found I stumbled into a meeting and I was like, oh sorry. But I just thought it was kind of amusing that the place where AA meets is Bargain Addict. Um, yeah, but they had VHS tapes for twenty five cents, and at this time I also had a very brief subscription to Rue Morgue magazine, and they were selling uh, in one of the pages of Rue Morgue that year. They were selling these puppets that were based on Deadly Spawn. I thought, oh, I've never heard of that film. And then the next couple of days later, I went into Bargain Attic to see what VHS tapes they had, and I found a VHS in the big old fashioned cardboard sleeves. Remember those? You know, oh, like yeah. how Disney had the giant white clamshell ones. This is one of the big white, the big cardboard. Everything used to come in. When I was growing up, like, at first when VHS tapes, my first memories of VHS tapes, they all came in, like, those big boxes. Like, you could go into the video rental store and they, all those big cardboard boxes. And then, for some reason, and correct me if I'm I'm wrong about this, you being, you know, much more elderly so gentleman much older. than myself. Yeah, so much. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> for some reason, adult films stayed in the big boxes when everything else moved on to like you know the small like cardboard like things but i remember in like you know the the, the porno section of your local video store they still had the giant boxes i don't know if it was to you know highlight the uh you know erotic artwork or whatever on the covers it needed as, the extra padding. as alluring as they were especially in the late 80s early 90s you it know, just but, needed the extra padding that's all 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to let you but, normalize it and be like, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know. It's like, what VHS just pornos in? You're the one who worked in the video store. Uh, I know, no. no. Did I ever tell you, I, I'm sure I told you, it, maybe you even were in on helping come up with the idea, but when I, it, it, for anybody out there that doesn't know me personally, um, in high school, uh, I, we grew up in a very small town in northern illinois and in high school i worked in the local video store which is a little hole in the wall you know um always manned by you know irresponsible teenagers i don't know how the place stayed in business as long as it did but it was the only place to rent you know videos in this little town so it scraped probably scraped by on whatever they were making but um anyway long story to get to the we always used to find it really really amusing to um the if anyone's familiar with the paul newman world war ii movie about um the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki called fat man and little boy Mm -hmm. which were the names of the two nuclear weapons dropped on the, the japanese cities one of my favorite things to do while i was working at the store is to take that movie box from from the drama section where where it lived and take it over to the adult section of the store and just slide it carefully so all you could see is like the title on the spine of the and just watch people react to you know these the guys and already were in this little town where people kind of snuck over to the adult section anyway you know you didn't want to be seen by the handful of guys every night that would just casually (laughs) saunter oh where am i yeah. How did this happen? Oh, what is this? And I don't know how to get I mean, out I, of here. I do cut. I do feel bad for these, those people having to then walk up to the counter and like rent this adult film from these teenagers that are working at the store. I mean, how awkward. But I mean, thank God for the internet, right? So well, there was also a guy who to deal with that. Uh, there, there was a guy who situation. also worked there around the same time you did, and I'm not going to release anybody's name. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But he. Uh, also had no problem. I mean, you're talking about you're surprised the place stayed functional with everybody being with you know irresponsible teenagers running it. I, I really can't agree more, considering that one of the guys that worked there used to um, give me movies for free, not just rent them to me, but just give them to me. <laughs> and he would cl- he would he would claim that it was sold, so I would not pay the 15 to 20 dollars or whatever that it cost for the vhs tape but he would fill out a receipt as if i did but the name of the of the person purchasing it would always be uh, a person from that movie so when i got my first vhs copy of american psycho my name was patrick bateman and i was buying that <laughs> i never gave them money and when i bought my copy of american beauty i never gave them a cent and it was given to me under the name of lester Burnham. <laughs> so, so uh to the person that may possibly be ever listening to this episode i thank you to the owner of the video store i apologize <laughs> Uh, yeah. There was a paper trail. The there was a paper there, trail. So. I yeah was. I walked anyway. Into long story short, they gave me stuff. Long story short, it was all about the the kick of uh, watching those people scrolling through those adult titles and coming to the movie <laughs> Fat Man and Little Boy, <laughs> and just kind of like doing that double take of like, what in the hell is that? And then be like, oh. But you know, well, anyway. Well, I think that, around that's... the same time you were working at the video store, I was working at a. Uh, movie theater in rockford illinois at, at a mall there and it was a second run theater so movies were only two dollars to get in or you could go to the multiplex across town and it'd be you know seven dollars to get in uh, but we were like really old school no stadium seating or it was an old theater you know um, we had a lot of fun with the marquee and how we would space the letters on certain mov- movies um, <laughs> yeah for example when we had the morgan freeman film deep impact it became dip impact <laughs> and watching people come up and look at the marquee and just blindly read what they were looking at <laughs> made it totally worth Which working in the box do, office like on a regular basis <laughs> make it two for dip impact yes you can <laughs> and you're gonna be really disappointed uh, and in fact actually the uh i'm trying to find a way to segue in the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you real quickly about, we were talking about other things that we were checking out outside of the realm of, you know, all of the hours of tedious research we have to do to sustain the Video Junkyard podcast here. But um, 
have you had a chance to check out the Netflix series, the Lost in Space remake uh, or series um, reboot or a, whatever a you want to A little call it? bit of it, and it's it's good. I mean, the, the thing that's it's I, hard for me to really get into it, and this is all personally me. It's like, okay, this isn't the corny TV show, and it's not the I'd rather gouge my eyes out than watch it again movie that came out in the late '90s. <laughs> so how do I process this? It's nostalgic yeah. but good. It's kind of strange. I it's it's pretty cool though. I've been working my way through it and. I like a lot of things about it, but I, I, I'm only, I'm six episodes in, so I think I'm a little over halfway through the series. Um, I like so many things about it, but I still am hesitant to say that I really like it. Like, there's something that's just not, and hopefully by the end it clicks for me. So I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to give a review on it or anything at the moment, because obviously I haven't finished. So, um, I like a lot of things they did with, like, modernizing it mm-hmm. and making it more of a, kind of a serious tone, but definitely, um definitely getting the story elements of the swiss family robinson type um, yeah that's what deal. i noticed i do too. think that somebody involved in in the production or writing of the series or, or actualization of the rebooted series got a little confused that maybe they misunderstood with a job that they were given and instead of um you know doing a, a reboot or a re-envisioning of the classic tv series lost in space they might have actually thought that they were making, you know, Lost, like the ABC television series yeah. in space, and um, which is kind of like a really bad setup for a corny joke there. But <laughs> seriously, like they, it seems like it's kind of set up similar to that series. More, it's got obviously the Robinsons and the the, the family unit being lost, and the robot, and then Doctor Smith, who's, who's that's been my favorite part so far. Is uh, uh, what's her name? Parker, Parker Posey. Posey being yeah. It's, uh, she's incredibly good uh, in that show. She's an actress but I've always the... had a hard time liking, but I've liked her in roles. I just get mad yeah. that I like her and stuff because she never plays like a likable character. So it's she's, yeah, well, she's much more the same way, of but... course, and she's much more effective I think than than most people are when it comes to taking on roles. Anyway, it comes. There's so many other characters. It's not just you know mm-hmm. the family Robinson. It's like. Uh, it, it kind of turns into a stranded on the, and then all of a sudden they start telling all their story in flashback. And it's like, wait a second. It is, it's lost in space all of a sudden. So some, somebody misunderstood their homework assignment. If here, a polar so, bear anyway, shows up though, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't even get me started on lost anyway. You know, I've actually never, whole different, I have different never thing, seen so. an episode of lost. Oh man. Don't, don't start. That's what I've been told by some, People, I've had some folks that like I I know you did, and you'll hate. Did it. you watch? Did you watch Dexter all the way through? Were you one of the people that like, <clears throat> you know, to the gouge your eyes out um, terribleness <clears throat> of the last few seasons of? We we um. We we don't talk about Dexter. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yep. Okay. So little monsters this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Dexter. I, as, as, the, as, two, the two shows that I never talk about that I always end up talking about. As people, so anyway. Ryan Steiskel, who was one of our guests in one of on the Godzilla episode, told me when I, I remember texting, going, "I just watched the last episode of Dexter. Holy shit, am I pissed!" And his best response I've ever heard was Ryan saying, "Dexter's final victim was his fan base." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Yes, stuck with I me. couldn't agree more. Oh, so yes, little man. monsters. And... Remember when Howie Mandel was relevant? Oh, good times. Yeah, it... yeah. When he wasn't just a, a panelist on some awful game oh, show. Oh so. God! Now you know what? This was a film I have actually really fond memories of because the me too, me too. The the novel version of the movie was like a kid's novel, right? Was actually oh, okay. the yep. first chapter book I ever read. So I've oh, got, cool. I've got a connection yeah, to this. One. I remember standing outside of school before school started that day, you know, lining up in front of the door, and I was sitting on the curb. And I remember reading through the first chapter of Little Monsters. I got it through the the book fair or something, or the um, you know those book order form things that you get in school where you go, oh, I want to get this book, and my mom said I get you know, five dollars to get a book. That was, yeah, I loved those things. I would always like way over order, and my mom would be like, No way, you can't spend that much money, and I'd have to go back and read like. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that was like one of exactly the, what you're talking was one about. One of the first books that I, the first chapter books that I ever read was Little Monsters, and it was just the same thing as the movie. But um, 
yeah, just kind of a neat personal thing with that. And this was a movie I was really, really loved. And it's so indicative. This one came out in 1989. And yeah, and for anyone that's not familiar with Little Monsters, it's shame on you if you're our age oh, and you're not familiar yeah, with Little right. Monsters. But um, no, just kidding. Shame on nobody. Like I said last, well, two weeks ago, we talked about The Fly. Everyone's got that, like, movie that, like, you know, everyone always talks about it and you're like, no, I've never seen it, and you still haven't gotten to it, so if this is one of the them for you, then, uh, well, I mean, hit pause, go watch it, and it's on Netflix. Yes, and, it is. Uh, come back and join us for... Um, but yeah, so 1989, um, Fred Savage, Howie Mandel, and uh, basic synopsis is a child meets the monster that lives under his bed. He even becomes one of his best friends. Soon the child discovers a whole new world of fun and games under his bed where pulling pranks on kids and other monsters is the main attraction. Ever wonder why kids get blamed for everything just because their parents can't explain it? Can't do anything. You're dead, mister. The reason's right under your bed. Hey, bud, the name's Maurice, and I'll catch you later. What goes on down there is every kid's fantasy. It's magic. No teachers, no rules, no homework. <laughs> and the best part is, you don't see any parents telling the kids what they can't eat. We're the reason kids get locked in their rooms. <laughs> We're the reason brothers hate their sisters. <laughs> We're also the reason that parents send their kids back to camp. Little Monster, Fred Savage, Howie Mandel. They act up when the sun goes down. Yeah, I... it's... PG Nightbreed. <laughs> yeah. And and the reason it was... I mean, it's such a good parallel is because it, I, if you break these two movies down to basic narrative plot points, they're almost the same movie. <laughs> like, okay, so yeah. there's no subplot about, you know, a serial killer or slasher. That we thing. know of. That we know of. That right. we know of. <laughs> I mean, you could always, you know... I mean, his... Our main character, played by Fred Savage, who is Brian Stevenson in this movie, um, you know, maybe he's his parents are going through a divorce at the time. Maybe he's seeking some counseling from, you know, yeah. our resident Doctor Decker. Um, so, <laughs> tell we'll me just... again about the monsters under your bed. This is what gets him started <laughs> thinking about Midian a whole year before. Yeah, so it, maybe it you know maybe it's a prequel, maybe it's happening concurrently to when he's treating Boone. I, I'm not sure, but I, I'm I'm starting to put the pieces together here. So. Or or is it that at the end of Little Monsters, Fred Savage's character, who's in Malibu at the end because well, watch the movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, goes through this whole thing. His parents, you know, if if your par- if your kid goes missing, and they turn up on the other side of the country, on a beach. You're probably going to think, and we're talking early 90s parents, you're probably going to think your kid's fucked up, so you're going to put him in therapy. You put him in with this, you're going to, you're going to move to a new town, you're going to change your name, they're going to change his name to Boone. <laughs> oh, you're, I you're, see where you're going. See where I'm going with this? See where yeah. I'm going with this? It's, it's, it, this was your job. You're the one that brought this up. <laughs> hey, I started. I'm just letting you run with the yeah. ball, you know. So uh... No, actually, you know what? If you look at some of the other cast members, though, of Little Monsters, uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, you've got Daniel Stern and and Fred Savage in the same movie. <laughs> yep. So this is also, you can also pull in Wonder Years into this, too, you know. Oh, yeah. When I met the monster under my bed, that's when I knew <laughs> it was going to be one crazy summer. Um, you've got Ben Savage in here. Fred Savage's little brother yeah. plays his little brother, brother in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Witten, who's been in a bunch of stuff. Rick uh, DeCommon, who I just found out died recently. Uh, you'll remember him as one of the neighbors from uh, the, the great dark comedy, The Burbs, with Tom Oh, Hanks. yeah. Yep. I do um, remember him. And the, the main villain in Little Monsters, the character known as Boy, the lead villain is played by a very, very young Frank uh, Whaley, who, if you don't recognize the name, if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction... Check out the big brain on Brad! You're a smart motherfucker, that's right. That's the guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. And he's been in a number of other films. He always plays kind of a smarmy attorney or something. But, um, yeah. Yeah, what? Anyway, it's going to drive me crazy. He's in another film that I'm very familiar with, with a little more prominent role than uh, in Pulp Fiction. But, yeah, anyway. I think he might have been in a TV series as well, I think, too. Um, But, yeah, this this was a fun movie. You got Howie Mandel under some really 
corny makeup. Um, well, and, and kind of a, a video junkyard reference is this is actually was not only distributed by, but actually produced by Vestron Video Productions. Yeah. And it was one of like five or six films they actually produced and just prior to them going bankrupt. So that, that tells you anything about how their actual production wing was doing. But um, it, it was considered to be a bit of a flop, I think, when it came out. But this certainly was a popular movie because I remember everybody talking about this one around the time it came out. I mean, because I, I probably saw this let's see 89 yeah. so pretty it was probably a pretty new movie yep. when i originally I still saw it. vaguely remember like previews at the beginning of other VH VHS tapes that you'd rent um and mm. Fred Savage was a big name at the time Howie Mandel was a big name this is when you know shows like Bobby's World were on the air uh that was yep. a great Well and Howie cartoon. Mandel's kind of doing this thing that um a, a co plays plays this comedy role and his stand up's a bit like this too but it's it's almost Jim Carrey esque. Like like he his comedy and the way he does is 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 very Jim Carrey, Chris Farley. Like there's a whole like group of comics. Um, I shouldn't lump Chris Farley, and he's a little bit more clever than maybe the Howie Mandel and Jim Carrey mm -hmm. type, but that are very physical. Yeah, a little more physical, um, slapstick even. Um, and I think that's you know that that's the kind of comedy he did in his stand up act as well. Um, the, for many years but did you did, one of the things again in, in preparation for this doing a little bit of background research on the film one of the things i found really strange was the director uh richard allen greenberg who like, has just passed mm -hmm. away in june of this year oh really? Uh, yeah i didn't couldn't find out a lot about him like he doesn't have a wiki page or anything like that but or maybe we should start one uh but actually he's this yeah. he only as far as I know, this is the only film he ever directed. Now, he was a title designer. Yes. And and he designed a lot of, like, really famous title sequences. And thanks for, yeah, that's a good reminder. I do remember reading yeah. that about him. One of the biggest films, though, because we have to do this in every episode, was the Richard Donner Superman. The, the streaking titles of the names yep. that come into the screen. That was that was his invention. They told him we want it to streak, and he's like, "I can do it. I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way to do it." And then he also did the title designs on Alien and World According to Garp, Altered States, which is another awesome movie we should review at some oh, point. Oh yeah, Untouchables, Dirty yeah, Dancing, we... Death Becomes, or Star Trek Nemesis, Edge of Darkness. Um, he worked on visual effects for Predator. And he didn't Last happen Action. to do the title sequence to Home Alone, did he? Because it's if you watch, I don't oh. know why it reminded me of it, but like the title sequence in little monsters and the title sequence in home alone are very similar to one another it's like the zooming out of um i don't know but the, it, yeah the title kind of slowly builds and like yeah that's something to look into i didn't notice that but that's something to really consider i don't know i did i did i'm just find... kind of thinking out loud but it did remind me of the, the title sequences reminded me of one another and i did i did find an error in something on the on the web imagine that an, an error in the internet um, no. When I was reading up on this, uh, somebody said that this movie, Little Monsters, in 89, and a Tales from the Crypt episode, The Sacrifice, in 1990, that great TV show, The Tales from the Crypt, um, mm -hmm. that would have been the same guy. So that I looked up that episode, and that was directed by Richard Greenberg, not Richard Allen Greenberg. Richard Greenberg ah. is a playwright, uh, a very famous playwright and screenwriter. Um so unless that was wrong so not the same person not the same person apparently um i don't know it's something i want to look into more because this is a this was a fun movie and it'd be odd if this was like the only film yeah. the guy ever did maybe it was i don't know unfortunately he just passed away two months ago we can't yeah. ask him but uh but remember this was really when howie mandel and Fred savage were at their yes their apex and I don't. It's it's. I just rewatched it. I tried getting my kids interested because I was like, "Look, it's neon colors and and funny looking characters. Don't you want to watch this?" And then I realized, "No, it's 2018, not 1990. Yeah. They don't give a shit." So <laughs> I was I so was wondering I, that when I rewatching it, had a few beers and watched like, Little Monsters. <laughs> would this movie still hold any appeal at all for children? And I was guessing by the end that no, probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know. For for those of you not familiar with Little Monsters, it's uh, Fred Savage plays a kid, and we did a synopsis, but uh, makes you know best buddies with the monster under his bed, and, and gets and so Maurice, who played by Howard Mandel, is uh, 
it takes him down under under the bed into like you know monster world the the midian of the little monsters um universe and um, yes <laughs> little, little midian <laughs> it's uh just down the road from the real one in a smaller yeah. you know crypt and it's from it's, yeah. it's the midian yeah. daycare and, uh, so where they have you know all these like it's staircases and such to climb up and you know other under other kids beds and that's how they they get around and navigate the world it's it's cool it's got kind of like a little reverse santa claus at the north pole kind of situation it's um uh, kind of pulling the the curtain yeah, back they, on how they, monsters work and yeah uh, they play pranks yeah. on each other and on it's a little bit reminiscent stuff, of it's, the it's uh, pleasure island scene in, in the Pinocchio film. I think you know they're smoking cigars and having a laugh, and there's music, and you know they're playing pranks on each other, and um, and then it, it very much is is implied and, and eventually said that you know these people all used to be kids, and they just decided never to go home, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to be bossed around by their parents anymore. So so very similar to the idea of of the is that i don't remember it was called pleasure island but you know what i'm talking about in pinocchio where they uh yeah were all of the monsters in little monsters that way i thought there were a few that were i were you, native you know what's funny and i wrote this like down that. as a note um for later in the discussion but but i'm not sure we know like there's not a whole lot of, and it's it's probably okay in a movie like this, but there's not a whole lot of in-depth explanation of the rules of this universe or how it works. We we hear about the yeah. mysterious character Boy throughout um, the movie and eventually meet him, but it's never really like given, like he, he's never really given a backstory or an origin for how he came to rule over monster just land. a creepy yeah. ominous character or yeah. if the land itself is somehow his creation yeah. um which i kind of got the impression that's where from a writing standpoint they were they were thinking it was but um yeah. the movie looks I, we were talking about how how nightbreed so effectively used its budget and how it's just a like really cool looking monster film and then the the special effects makeups and the character set design and creature design is just so incredible this movie is a bit the opposite and it's not for lack of trying i mean it's obviously a much even lower budget than than nightbreed um but it's set in costume design is is uh it kind of looks like you can tell the characters they put their money on right some of them were very they had there's definitely a couple of cool standout monsters in it but they're like one in one in four of the monsters and monster land actually uh are are anything more yeah, than somebody with a little bit like, of face paint on yeah it's like if you ever watch some of the behind the scenes or directing you know, director commentary on george romero's zombie films they'd always talk about like okay if you're in the front you get full prosthetics the camera's going to be zooming in on you if you're in the middle of the zombie horde you're going to get, you know, more of a detailed mask. If you're in the back, we're just kind of slapping some paint on your face and giving you dirty yeah. clothes. And it's the same kind of thing here. It's definitely very, very similar here. You've got, like, your main couple of monsters that, you know, the camera's really going to... Yeah, it makes sense. The camera's really going to be pulling in on them. So they need a lot of... Uh, they they really do need a, a lot of detail. In fact, I would say some of my favorite makeup effects in this are uh, uh, Rick DeCommon's stuff. What was his it's character's like name? Um, Git or Skint or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. Have it right here. He's uh, he's like a big bully essentially, and he's always got like Snick. a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, a and he's Snick. just hunched. Yep. Snick. That's right. Because I remember it was yeah. a Nickel- kind of like that? a Nickelodeon thing. Um, you know, he had a big hunchback, and he had like these boar-like tusk-type things going on. It was, uh, it yeah, was a I mean, lot his, of makeup. Was a that was a good makeup, makeup and, cool. and um, man, honestly, better than Maurice or Tom. Yeah, Tom I Mandel's actually don't character because don't think you know, a whole gets... lot of his makeup. And I, it actually really, really annoyed me. I know his horn was supposed to be broken, but in the, like the latter half of the film, that little piece of horn that was hanging up, like I. It literally bothered the hell out of me, and I'm not sure why. But it was like that look. It yeah. looks like your costume. Well, bothered broken, me more. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
Well, especially because it's preceded by an entire film where he has horns that are so clearly rubber. Because every time he turns yeah. his head, they bounce. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a good costume. It's and, not a good makeup. And his performance, I I, I understand. Like, okay, I don't I don't want to nitpick little monsters to death. It's a it's a movie that was made specifically for a certain audience. And but um, his performance is pretty is just short of obnoxious like it's just watchable but if he would have pushed it a little bit further it's uh i don't know i never felt like maurice as an adult watching this as a kid i'm sure i felt different i know i felt differently but as an adult watching this i never found maurice likable or relatable in any way and why i i at any point and even prior to them teasing the baby where fred savage's character where brian gets very upset um with them they're they're harassing or scaring an infant and he he gets upset that that's Mm -hmm. you know too cruel or gone too far but um i think i would have you know tuned out a long time ago just because like whoa this guy's you know exactly the kind of friend i don't want to have he's obnoxious he's playing pranks on me he's um yeah anyway but yeah that's one of the weird things about that movie and this was just a a, again one of the things that I, i mentioned in our episode last week about nightbreed was how you really got to wonder how much has changed from like the person who envisioned this idea and this concept and this story and or even a director or maybe the same person and by the time then it gets onto the screen how it's transformed so much and what's been left out what kind of character development was originally there um because in the way this movie goes is you've got fred savage who thinks oh there's you know his brother's getting bothered by this monster every night, so he claims. So Fred Savage's like, fine, I'll swap rooms with you. And they do, and he catches this monster. And even from the very beginning, he's just kind of like, huh, so you're a monster, yeah. <laughs> huh? You know, like no kid right. ever does. Especially when their eyes are gouging out of their heads and all this stuff, and you know. Uh, but I think it would be really funny, and maybe this is... It, it reminds me of something that Robot Chicken would have done... 10 years ago where it was like how real monsters or little monsters really should have gone and where it's this kid like really hating this monster because he's <laughs> fucking annoying yeah. you know like Maurice like hey dude let's go party now I'm gonna just sit here and read fuck off <laughs> but at the same time watching this again it really takes me back it's actually got a pretty decent soundtrack. yeah it's you know what it's or maybe I just really <laughs> yeah. like the talking heads. Um, it's okay. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's certainly not a bad movie, and a lot of nostalgia went into it because this is one. It's it's it was a cool experience because this is one I literally have not seen. Probably the last time I saw Little Monsters, I was like seven, eight years old, maybe ten years old. Um, oh wow! I watched it a whole bunch when it was a new movie, and then I never watched it again, and I didn't think about it for years, and then I finally like. I think I did watch it few years ago i think i watched it again trying to get my daughter to yeah. watch it and it didn't work <laughs> then either yeah so it's yeah. so it was an interesting experiment because it's one i remember liking a whole lot when i was a kid and and i, st- I still generally yeah. kind of like it in, in, a, in a nostalgic way but it would be hard for me to recommend someone who's never seen this film like a, a, a peer of mine like as an adult be like oh you should go watch little monsters because yeah i'm not sure oh, what exactly no. they would think of it but you know for those of us that grew up with this i think it's a a pleasant little nostalgia piece and i i think it also yeah i mean i'm not going to say it's a good movie because watching it again from a, a critical perspective it's it's not i mean it's it's pretty poorly written and daniel stern's character as the dad is such a yeah. asshole yeah i mean he they they took daniel stern's you know okay he's the dad in this and you know they're having problems with Kevin, no wait, not Kevin. Uh, Brian. <laughs> Brian, like it's wonder years. <laughs> um, they they take it from okay, he's a, a kid who occasionally gets into trouble and he lies about stuff every now and then. But they didn't do a good job of establishing <clears throat> that in the beginning. They just made it like, oh, I'm a kid in a new town and this is all kind of weird and my parents are totally tricks <laughs> to me for some yeah. reason. <laughs> Um, and, and yelling at him constantly about everything. It's like, I was getting sick of Daniel Stern after a while in this, but and, and I think I'm glad I watched it again though, because it, it has a, a place in my heart because yeah. of the nostalgia. Well, I, um, because I was the right age when this movie came out, but it, again, and, and we're in this new 
phase we have been for a little while now where people of our generation it's like hey remember this well here's it repackaged for you and there it's it's weird to be in your 30s and be targeted as a demographic for yeah entertainment because usually in your 30s you're just shit out of luck um but now it's like hey hey people in your 30s you've got kids well we've got a movie that you'll both like because it's gonna trigger your memories and it they might like it too and that's why we have new star wars films and things like that but in this case it's it's a good reminder about yeah nostalgia this is not a well-made i mean it could be a lot worse and it it has functions fine like it's it's not a poorly made functions it's it functions for an 80s movie it it does exactly what it intended to do and it has its finger on the pulse of what you know kids the right demographic at the time when it was made i I, that's why we all loved it because it was exactly what we were looking for and i'm but but here's the funny here's the funny thing though is that this came out a year after night before no a year before nightbreed but nightbreed's based on cabal which Mm -hmm. came out years before that so i don't want to get into the who ripped off because i don't think think it's it's a story that case is in fact yeah like i I actually myself ripped off this movie somewhat unintentionally but probably pretty intentionally but i uh when i was in the seventh grade and you'll remember this because you went to the same grade school as me um they had the uh what do they call it paw or whatever the aspiring writers something you could basically write a book and or a story book and um there's a competition for the best but i placed second that year in a school-wide competition for writing uh, a story that uh called i believe i called it beating up the boogeyman and it essentially was this movie it was uh, um so i mean it's a pretty major ripoff i'd like to find i have a i have it somewhere um it'd be funny to read it but it was about a little kid who was a misbehaving little kid who you know captures the boogeyman and then helps to free him from his slavery to this evil the evil lord of the underworld i don't remember what all the names were but um yeah anyway it's basically this movie but I, I remember my first one of those books we had to write in school. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, dude, that totally did rip mm-hmm. off Little Monsters. Now, mine, on the other hand, was called The Time Machine. It was about this kid named Marty. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, that that's and an original I'll just piece. leave you yeah. in suspense from there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that was a very oh, common yeah, thing sure, we all did back then. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, like, I, my main thing I'm yeah. bringing up is not that anyone should read my seventh grade ripoff book, but that... Um, I think it's a story that is, I mean, let's, let's move, let's flash forward to, I don't remember the year, but sometime in the late, early 2000s, probably when Pixar releases Monsters, Inc., um, a very, very similar in many ways to Little Monsters. You don't necessarily have the child as your entryway into the world. You kind of start in the world with, you know, the characters of Mike and Sully and their, their monsters and they scare children and that's their whole there's this whole underworld and it That's yeah, and it's, job, it's, yeah it's pretty much a a nice with a nice disney polish it's the bird it's it's little monsters all over again so so it is a, it is definitely a story that has retold the, the but what i think is really interesting though is if you look at the budget and the production quality of mm-hmm. nightbreed you've got Clive Barker's name, he's the only big name attached, and even kind of big name, attached to that film. You've got great special effects and makeup. And then you've got Little Monsters, which is low budget, but you've got two very recognizable names at the time. Three, if you count Daniel Stern. I mean, he people knew who he was. He had been yeah. in a number of films. Um, going all the way back to Chud. And it it just goes to show how, you know, the staying power of a film. You know, Little Monsters had a, a bigger press junket, I think, around it. It wasn't a yeah, huge did, film. And IMDb has its If you were a kid, you knew about placed it. placed around 20 million, so. Wow. So a bigger budget. And I'm sorry, but it ends up being a worse film. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... And its I, set I would design so is just again, not as inspired. I, I, I mean, it's not like it looks my... terrible. It looks similar to a lot no, of other films it, of the a, era, but it's a bunch of palettes and some yeah, some black exactly. lights. You know, it's 
and and I'm not bashing it. I'm totally sound like I'm bashing it. I actually I love this movie because of the yes. nostalgia for it, you know. But I think this is where what I guess the point I'm trying to make is this is where we're kind of getting to a point where you it it, it might be beneficial to look through the nostalgia or past the nostalgia and be like, yeah, why do I like this film? I can't defend it for its filmmaking, you know, cutting edge storytelling because it's not. I can't do anything with the script because it's, or it's, it's not. uproarious comedy uh, the, by howie mandel or it's uproarious comedy or it's special effects or it's cutting edge makeup no i really can't do anything i liked it because i was you yeah. know eight well i liked it because it was a, when it I was a it. movie about a kid my age or in the in the similar group i was a little younger but um making friends with a monster and getting to go to this underground you know monster world and and exactly yeah it had enough like cool stuff and you know and what it, it also had like kids saying swear words and it had you know like some uh which which i wanted to get to because we like to talk about things like that versus kind of the (laughs) piss in my apple stuff in this like it's obviously made for the eight to ten crowd but there's definitely some stuff that's you would not see in a movie for the eight to ten crowd these days including the kids repeatedly using the term shit holy shit um yeah the the piss part of it where they 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 refer to it as piss the entire time like hey quit pissing in that hey he just drank piss he spit piss on the principal <laughs> like and, um and i think about that and it's not that i'm i'm you know like oh my gosh you know these terrible things that were like i don't care you know i don't care yeah. i i knew the word piss i knew the word shit by the time i was eight years old it was fine but um the fact that you would this, never this see one, that in something shows the, what, that was marketed no, to that crowd no now, so. never and and I really don't want to turn the episode into a yeah yeah these kids today yeah but these kids did not <laughs> it's really how it's going these kids today no it, it's you don't like little monsters damn it a, yeah commie um, no it, this is a great example again of of the power of nostalgia and this is why nostalgia has been so successful because we're we're talking about a film that again is not considerably well made it's got two marketable people for the time that it was made and it tells a very basic story that is going to appeal to a certain generation so really what you're seeing is you can you can kind of interpret from the success of this movie and it was fairly successful i mean it was kids liked it it probably wasn't critically successful it probably wasn't commercially successful considerably but kids Mm -hmm. liked it this was like the the shit we liked as kids and what i think is just very interesting is this people want to like well why do you guys talk about the 80s all the time like what was so great about the 80s well from our perspective yeah this that kids were kind of edgy not because it was cool but because you right well and be, okay let's in a way you, you know without pretending little monsters is high art let's be serious about it and um say that this this was actually given a somewhat realistic depiction of the way an eight to ten year old boys would talk to each other i mean that's it mm-hmm. you know it's pretty realistic dialogue it also gives a fairly um realistic well okay not realistic but it but it does it deals with something a little heavier than some kids movies um with the whole like you know the parents are getting a divorce thing and using kind of the monster escapism pinocchio pleasure island kind of you know do i basically battling with you know having a dark reaction to that or do i do i persevere or come you know get past it um it's it's not that high concept but that kind of stuff is there um so i don't know i mean take it or leave it it's it's not like high art yeah it's not but i do think there's it there there's stuff there that can be said um that you you could you could say that the dialogue or you know the use of bad language or, or whatever is it's actually a little more realistic than it not being there um but yeah i would agree i, I mean i think yeah I, I, I you hit it you know it's it's not high art it's not super quality of a film but if if people really want to know like what what being a kid was like in the 80s i, I think that's uh, a fun way of like what did we like in the 80s we liked shit like that i mean the fashions are just and, and you that know another like, movie let's try which to make is, it which really is an incredibly good movie just... 
Wait, and what? not really comparable to Little Monsters, but um, another one that hit it on the head was Stand By Me's got that kind of... Um, and that's obviously not set in the 80s, that's set in oh. the 50s, but it's got that relatable, like, the way that those kids would really... It's, enter, that, like, yeah. it's super believable characters and just a good script. and um, yeah, Still, and, yeah. Oh, Stand By Me's one that, I mean... It's. I, I had a conversation with my dad recently about, you know, it's like, ah, it, it's hard, like, kids watch all these Disney movies now, and, and I find myself getting kind of choked up at scenes, and I'm just like, I need to go <laughs> yeah. outside, because, because damn toxic masculinity. Um, you know, no, it's just, just, I, it's, I don't, I don't feel comfortable necessarily to have no problem emoting, but that's just like, yeah, god damn it, like, I didn't even see all of Coco, it's the last <laughs> ten minutes, and I'm just like, oh my god. But, you know, I think, and it was funny, I was talking to my dad about that, and he goes, yeah, that happens, you know, I goes, I get that way too, and he goes, but when I was a kid, Old Yeller used to just, like, that's right. the movie, right, that's the movie, if you're a guy, you can cry at Old Yeller, I would say, ah, there's a generation, I saw Old Yeller, and I was just like, eh, well, yeah, you shoot <laughs> that dog, you know, but it was Stand yeah. By Me, Stand By Me is my, my movie, where it's just like, oh, God damn right, I'm crying, because it's, um, it's the line like I'll never have friends like I had when I was you know eleven years old or something. It's just that, yeah, yeah, those that I get it, um, that kind of thing, you know. And so it's nostalgia is powerful, is is the point here, and there's a reason why it's being marketed so well. I think we're a generation that's very susceptible. Oh yeah, for to sure. It. And so going back and watching something like Little Monsters again is a real trip. I mean, you, you notice stuff you didn't notice before. There's a line in that movie where the mom is having coffee with a friend of hers, and she's talking about the separation of her and her husband. And the friend says, "How's you know, how's Brian handling it, or how are the kids handling it?" She's like, "Oh, he's you know sawing off the legs off of all the beds," and makes a comment about him growing up to be a homicidal <laughs> yeah. maniac. Like, yeah, because wouldn't that be funny? Is you know. It, it that those are jokes that would never be made today and i don't i'm not going to stand here and say whether they were appropriate to make right. them but you just wouldn't see it today um it it's it's been it's a very different world and i guess what to to really turn this into a philosophical thing maybe needlessly but what is it about the is, is this a thing that everybody goes through like we're going through with the 80s like oh, i remember that is this what people are doing like 10 years ago with the 70s or before that with yeah. the 60s i mean everybody's I always had their yeah. nostalgia i mean but... there was definitely like the the film brat generation definitely went through a nostalgia kick for the 50s when they grew up like uh, um i don't know like i i think so i think i think the creators all have that nostalgia for their own childhood so we're seeing where you know our peers are the people writing and directing and creating this media so i think yeah they do they have a nostalgia for their childhood as we all do and so you know they're creating things that invokes I that think it was different, i mean, I mean though. look at um you know the, the success of things like uh, stranger things which is a great love letter to the 80s mm -hmm. as well as being you know not derivative it's not a reboot of anything it's it's just something that is it's, it's borrowing yeah. themes but doing an original story I guess what I mean is, like, if you look back, what was it about the 80s is the 90s went through a period where there were movies like Days to Confuse that were coming out that were about the 60s and 70s and, and things. So the 60s and 70s were all the rage in the 90s. I remember people wearing bell bottoms again, and the whole grunge scene was a bit derivative of some of that. But, you know, if you look at the 80s, I mean, were we really... Our, our childhood in the 80s was set in the 80s right yeah really movies like little monsters took place when that was happening so the fashion you're seeing isn't like we really wanted to recreate the 80s no they were just like grab shit off the rack at kmart and put fred <laughs> savage in it you know that was that was it and so there's something about the 80s is you know that's when you know you steven spielberg's making et and all this stuff uh you know star wars yeah was there was a nod to the old serials of you know like flash gordon and things but it wasn't a, a reboot it was still something something original you know but it feels like the 80s the late 70s and the early 80s is when things were people were very creative and they were coming up with these new ideas and 
that started in the '90s. We started seeing yeah. the reboots. We started seeing the remakes, and in the 2000s, I don't know, the early 2000s for when it comes to genre films seemed very lost to me. And now we're just seeing. Okay, you guys remember 30 years ago? Is where it seems, and and somewhere in this little monsters fits yes. into this rant. Well, it does because I but think that's does. exactly what we're doing <laughs> when we pull out a movie like this. And and although it was Nightbreed that brought me to this movie as a selection i don't know if i would have selected it just off the top of Mm -hmm. my head but um i think when we select a movie like this is exactly what we're doing we're doing a like hey guys you remember this movie we all loved like let's let's take a look at it again and see see if it's worth all the hype and yeah it's something and i don't think this one is i i really don't think this one is but it is it has its merits today about about what kind of of movies kids were watching yeah. in the eighties, I'm that torn were original on that. Like, films. And I, think I think it does have some merits. Like it's it's a this is a pop culture slice of you know the yeah. time the time when yeah, it was that's what when I mean. it was made. It's... And there are better ones than this. Uh, there are better like of that era, um, but it's not a bad one. Like if you wanna if you wanna go and see what like good young adult entertainment. Or you know, at least effective young adult entertainment at the, you know, right around the turn from eighties to nineties was, and this is a, a decent example of what was going on. Um, it reflects the style of humor that was popular with you know the eight to ten year old crowd at that point, or you know preteens at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it it it's a precursor with some of its humor to like what will follow as being like an entire decade of dick and fart comedies that. Um, we're mainly aimed towards teenagers, at, uh, so I mean, I, you could argue two decades even <laughs> of those. So, um. yeah, I'll I'll give you that. Um, you know, we we just haven't seen. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm trying to think of, and maybe it's gonna, maybe it's there, and I just haven't seen. Do we have, have we seen anything recently that's like Little Monsters or? Nightbreed. I mean, since since the Pixar films, recent? like I think Monsters Inc. is the last thing that like really reminded me of that's, you know, the same kind of a narrative of there being a secret world of monsters. But, yeah. Um, there's, there's always a little bit of that. Like you know, you could say Harry Potter has a little bit of that. There's a secret world of wizards and witches and, um, anything that has like this. Oh, those that that basic like secret secret world of there's a there are a dime a dozen on right, Netflix exactly. and Amazon and all that, especially you know with kids. My daughter watches a thing about uh, a witch's coven or a witch's school that's very derivative yeah. of Harry Potter. Um, you know those things are all over the place, but I, I so I guess yeah I guess they really are they're 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 kind of hidden in plain sight I guess. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that was the big draw for Little Monsters when I saw it again was the familiarity of, oh, Fred Savage, yeah, I've seen him in Wonder Years, and I've seen him in other movies. Um, and this, again, this was when he was doing a, a lot of films and a lot of TV stuff. He was, you know, he was a star on Wonder Years. He did that movie, was it? Um, oh, yeah, Wizard the Nintendo one. Yep. played Nintendo. I remember, yep. Yeah, that, that, I remember watching that and not really getting it because pretty much just market is, you like Fred Savage? Do you play Nintendo? Here's a movie <laughs> with both. Um, and that was about the plot. I mean, it, it didn't... It was a going to kid going to a you video like game tournament. You like George Wendt? No, just like... Uh... <laughs> Did you see George Wendt <laughs> in a bean-eating movie? Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, you've got Howie Mandel, because his stand-up at the time was edgy, but funny. You know, I, I remember watching one of his hbo specials and i wasn't supposed to because he's not an f word but it was still funny um you know a a friend of mine who was much older than me or a couple years older than me when i was a kid who he he was the guy that turned me on to all the shit my parents wouldn't let me watch you know you had someone like that i think i did um (laughs) yeah but yeah this was like the the guy who the kid who showed me full metal jacket and gave me my first sip of beer is the one who introduced me mm-hmm. to Howie Mandel. So when I found out he was going to be in a movie and I could watch it, oh well, jeez. And then he did Bobby's yeah. World, which was like, oh no, he's totally tame. Yep. 
And I oh still yeah, actually, I do too. That's but, the that's you know, the that... shining light of Howie Mandel's career. I think that was a, a great show. So, at least I think it was. Again, yeah, I haven't and... seen it since I was a kid, but. Well, yeah, and, and he's still on. I mean, I guess he is still on TV doing game shows. What what's the game show he does? Is it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Like and I think he's something? on like one of those like competition shows. He's a judge on something. I don't know. Anyway, he's got a lucrative career. More power to him. <laughs> yeah, and Fred Savage. I mean, he's doing a yep. lot of producing, yep. directing. Um, done a couple of bit parts over the last few years. I still think one of my favorite roles that he ever did was in the. Uh, film version of the Brett Easton Ellis novel Rules oh, of yeah. Attraction. Yep. There's a guy shooting up drugs in his dorm room and then, you know, playing the clarinet super loud and talking about how he doesn't trust <laughs> clocks. I just, I don't know, it seems like that that I just imagine the directors on set going, Fred, we're, we're just going to start rolling. I guess if you're going to be like this, we'll just this will be your character now like that's him in real life that's how fred savage is most of the time is shooting up heroin between his toes playing the clarinet and going on rants about how he doesn't trust clocks that's yeah. that's all well, i'm envision. sure that's yeah, what I'm the sure one reason absolutely true so <laughs> oh absolutely so anyway no so i don't know how would you uh how would you rate little monster it's tough because do i do i give it a grade based on you know it's act like it's merit as a film compared to all the other films or like compared to Nightbreed or compared to other things that you know I really love or do I give it a little bit of a break because it's something that's nostalgic and it just it has its place in my life and I, I decided you know I can I'm going to compromise those two and say that this is a C movie like and for somebody that doesn't have nostalgia, this may be less than a C movie. I guess I wouldn't recommend watching Little Monsters. If you've never seen Little Monsters and you're in your 30s... Well, actually, if you're in your 30s, you'll probably find it nostalgic, even if you haven't seen it. But, you know, if you're if you're 16 years old right now, Little Monsters is not going to be your jam. So, just... Uh... Yeah, you could probably <laughs> let right. it go. If you're 16 years old, you're you, probably you not probably listening let to a couple of guys go. in their late 30s, their, their mid-30s talk about movies, so... Yeah, anyway, but... I, I would agree. I would agree, actually. Same thing. Um, I would put this in with... I'd, I'd give it a C. You know, nostalgia is powerful for it. It's very personal, too. You know, this wasn't a film that came out with bed sheets and cereal and toys and things like that. It was just a, it was a flash in the pan. It's... It, this is why we picked it for yeah. Video Junkyard, right? This was something, it was a flash in the pan. It was popular for a very short period of time. It's a nice little quick snapshot of, and, you know, 1989. And that's kind of, I think I was probably in, what, like third grade? Yeah, I would have been in third grade when this movie came out. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it appealed to my yes. third grade self this was the kind of movie that, that and this you know was was made for me at be, that time you know video junkyard listeners a perfect time for you to send us a little bit of feedback and tell us what a bunch of you know assholes we are for giving it such a low grade or you know maybe tell us that yeah i always hated that movie but um yeah and please be sure to include how it ruined your childhood and now you can't watch little monsters uh, yes, and enjoy it yeah. anymore because our opinion may have been different than yours. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> um, no, but let us know. I know a lot of people that are, you know, listening to this podcast probably are uh, peers of ours, if, uh, you know, around the same age group. So, you know, if you've seen Little Monsters and you have strong opinions about it, uh, let us know. Uh, shoot us some feedback at... Um, on Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook group, by the way. If you would like to join that, just shoot us a request. I'll make sure you get into it. Um, we discuss movies and, and such, the movies we discuss on the podcast, as well as some other stuff on the Facebook group. Uh, also, you can reach out just on the regular Facebook page. We have Twitter. Um, easiest way for us, and then where if you want to you know, give us your own review of a film like Little Monsters, shoot us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you and, and be sure, unless I'm just in, you know, totally inundated in millions of emails, but we will certainly read your review um, on the show and, and, you know, we can uh, open up the discussion again if you, you know, I, mean, you, I could definitely be convinced that I'm wrong, so. 
it does happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there, it's very possible that I totally missed the, you know, kind of hidden just under the radar parallels between Macbeth and Little Monsters. Yeah, convince me. I, so, I'm very open. No, I, I, I give it a C just because, you know, Frey, from a filmmaking perspective and a script and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still a fun movie. If you grew up in those times, there's going to be some things that'll, you know. And I guess what I like about it, too, is that, and I'll close out my review just with this, is that, you know, with Stranger Things, as much as I really love that show, Especially the second season, not to spoil anything, but it, it's a lot of, hey, remember this? You liked that, didn't you? And watching an, an actual film from that era, like Little Monsters, or I guess from a little bit later than Stranger Things, but you know what I mean, um, it's it's not as forced. It's just this is the way things were because this is when the movie was made. So it, it you kind of get away from some of that. Um, you know, the the weird antics in a way of like how are we going to put this in the frame for people to see and go oh i remember that in movies like little monsters it's just it's like a time capsule it's like a time capsule to 1989 1990 you know you're you're kind of seeing how it was as a kid back then i, I would use this movie if my kids were ever like what what yeah. was it like? well that's i'd be like it was yeah, like this we, this, we hung out with monsters and pranks on people <laughs> so. <laughs> I will say too. Oh, I forgot to yeah. mention this, and I wanted to. I know I keep saying like I'm done, but then I got a more thing. There's one scene in that movie that did kind of creep me oh, out yeah. as a kid, and that was when Fred Savage is gone. He's sawing off the the legs on all the beds so the monsters can't come into his room anymore, and the monsters figure out how to open up the folding bed out of the sofa. Ah, yeah, I forget. And so you see this folding bed just kind of open itself. And you hear some grunting and growling from underneath. That, as a kid, made me go, oh, that's kind of <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> kind of creeped me out a little bit. Just because of this, it's this mechanical thing doing something on its right. own. It was a little, a little creepy, you know? Do you have any moments like no, that? No, I don't it? remember anything frightening me in Little Monsters. I, I have moments like that for sure in other films, but no, I don't... Mm -hmm. Like a non-intentional, like uh, just the way that movie yeah. was kind of creepy. Thing. Yeah, certainly from other movies, I do remember some some moments, but I don't think I remember anything in Little Monsters except that stupid broken fucking horn. That uh, that just like yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just dangling, yeah. it's just dangling. Well, anyway, so that and his <laughs> earring, he had that long earring, and then the dangler just dangling on both sides, and just like. Let's just stop. So and take care uh, of this. next week, I just want to <laughs> remind everybody that uh, we are going to be starting on a two-week. Uh, well, I, let's call them the the weeks of werewolves because that's still the best thing I've come up with. So uh, oh, that's uh, yeah, that, that so, was good. Uh, we're gonna. Was good. I I tip my hat, <laughs> sir. That was on good. the twenty fourth. We're going to be talking about the film dog soldiers um and i'll get all the uh details together for when i actually have to talk about these and then on the 31st we will talk about you know one of the all-time great werewolf films if not the yes! greatest werewolf film john landis's yes. classic american werewolf in london so uh can't wait uh, i can't wait probably the most episode i'm most excited about that we've done so far not to say i haven't enjoyed the others but that one yeah strap in <laughs> you sure you sure you don't want to just do that one solo so you can uh just <laughs> i i no, just i don't know i I'm, i may need a I'm moment let you, i so. may need a moment <laughs> no <laughs> no it's gonna be awesome so yes please write in let us know what you think give us some comments give us some feedback oh yeah and tell big us if thanks you agree to everybody you um, suck. I, totally I meant fine. to mention it and uh, obviously by the way the podcast work this is going to be months later from when you originally uh gave us your movie ideas but uh, a lot of people on the facebook page gave us some ideas of uh for movies yeah. to review and, and please rest assured it's not on the schedule yet but we are taking some of those in consideration and they will be on the schedule um soon so at least a couple of those are going to definitely make it onto the, the podcast and and others i'm trying to make an yeah. effort to watch as well and we'll we'll get some discussions going on the group if it never makes it on the actual show but 
Well, I really like that too, and, I, and thank you again. I, I agree. Thank you again for all your comments and suggestions um, for films to watch, and I also really like that people were reaching to things beyond so-called typical genre films. You know, we, we weren't just seeing horror and sci-fi. There were some some really kind of, oh yeah, that'd be an interesting one to, to review kind of films. So we're going to take a lot of those into consideration and see what we can do with them. Um, be honest, a lot of some films I haven't even seen, so I'm I'm looking forward. I'm always looking for something Absolutely. new to check out. So thank you for the feedback and some great ideas. Thinking outside of the box a little bit. Totally, uh, totally down for that. Yep. And thanks everyone for listening. This is Eric Goldbranson, and uh, and I'm Joe Peterson. This has been another Video Junkyard podcast. Have a good night, everybody. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard.